Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves. And I tell you what, you guys, this is an incredibly cool story. And Wendy Core of Onac Alaska Malamutes talked to me about this at the dog show this weekend and told me the story. And I said, oh, my God, we have to tell everybody about this. This is such a crazy thing. So this is regarding canine herpes virus, which is, as we know, devastating in our dogs. And. I, in 40 some odd years, have never heard of the particular series of events that Wendy just went through. And so we wanted to share it with you guys because I think this is a pretty amazing story. All right, guys, are you planning your next litter of puppies? Or maybe you just finished your foundation bitch and you're ready to start health testing. Embark, creator of the highest rated dog DNA tests on the market, offers specialized testing just for breeders. And while they're offering a few different tests, only the Embark for Breeders Dog DNA Kit was made to provide breed-relevant disease screening for your purebred dogs. It includes traits testing, such as coat color and body size, DLA diversity testing, breed ancestry, easy-to-download OFA submission reports, and the only genetic coefficient of inbreeding test available. Find out why thousands of breeders have trusted Embark to enhance their breeding program, including me, through screening for breed-specific genetic conditions, understanding traits, and identifying genetic diversity. To save on the most accurate, most comprehensive dog DNA kit, visit EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use the code PUREDOGTALK to take $20 off a full-priced Embark for Breeders dog DNA kit. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use the code PUREDOGTALK. So, Wendy, tell us, you had a litter of puppies about six months ago, is that right? Yes, it was six months ago. And you bred your bitch and what made you think that there was something that you should test for or have a problem with in regards to herpes? Well, I've never done it in all the years I've had Alaskan Malamutes and that's been since 1970. I've really never run into an issue such as herpes, didn't really know that much about it. And I attended a online seminar and one of the vets had talked about the different reproduction concerns and what you worry about. And herpes came up very quickly and just a few sentences and the individual moved on. And I thought, gee, you know, maybe since I've never done it before, might be a good idea with this maiden bitch. She'd never been bred before. She was close to three years of age. All the genetic screening was done. And we had done a TCI at Cocopelli with Dr. Bruce Christensen. And four weeks into it, they did a sonogram. And I was there and everything looked good. Puppies looked really great. And I said to him, 
why don't we just do it tighter? And he looked at me and he says, well, we normally don't do that. And I go, yeah, I know, but you know, I'm used to baselines. I'm a medical person. We do all that for people. So why don't we just do a baseline? A baseline titer for canine herpes virus specifically. Exactly. And his comment to me is it'll cost more to ship it than it does cost to draw it. I said, I don't really care. And he says, well, it'll take a couple of weeks. I said, fine. It goes to Cornell University. No big deal. Draw the blood. Off it went. I didn't pay any more attention to it. I figured she'd been shown since she was four months of age. If anybody has antibodies to the herpes virus, she should have it. So two weeks later, I'm on an airplane, I get off in Atlanta, and I get this distressing phone call that my female has a titer higher than they've ever seen before. And at this point in time, I'm not sure how to react. So we talk about what are we going to do? You know, I said, we need to come up with a plan. I mean, does that mean we have to board the litter? Does that mean I just started firing questions? and Dr. Christensen's counterpart was there talking to me. And she said, well, there's a couple of things we can do. And I thought, that's a good answer. I like this. <laughs> and she said, we can put them on a cyclodrug. And I thought, we do that for humans. Makes good sense. Okay. So this is a particular drug that is an antibiotic? It helps to lower the titer level. And we use okay. it in humans. And that's exactly what it's designed to do. It helps by lowering the titer. It makes it easier for a human to get over that episode. So it's not specifically designed for dogs. It is one of those off the shelf or type of things. So I said, fine, let's do that. No big deal. So I call my husband, my poor husband's at home and I'm saying, they're phoning in a prescription. I need you to run down there and you got to follow the directions and it's twice a day for 10 days. And he's going, what? And I said, just go ahead and do it. So he goes down there. He gets the prescription. Off she goes. She's getting everything. That night before I had to judge at the dog show in Perry, Georgia, I just cannot go to sleep. So I'm getting on the internet and I'm chasing down all kinds of crazy things. And I should have never done that because the first thing that I read. (laughs) Dr. Google will kill you. I'm telling you, man. (laughs) And I'm reading this and I'm reading about cyclovir and it's in dogs specifically. And it says cleft palate, cleft lips. Now I just start to cry. I just can't cope with this. I'm going, this is ugly. This is going to be a nightmare. So, you know, needless to say, being the dog show people we are, we suck it up in the morning, we get dressed, we put on a happy smile and we go out there and judge dogs. And then I was going back to the airport and one of my friends was talking to me and she goes, well, how are things going? Don't ask me that because I'm ready to cry. And I said, well, they're not going really well. And I start to explain it. And she's new to breeding and stuff like that. And she said, I would love to come and help you deliver the puppies. And I'm thinking to myself, this could be a really bad plan. And I said to her, I have to tell you up front. I said, this is a serious situation. I've never had a female who has a high herpes titer. And she's now on a cyclovir. And I don't know if any of these puppies, even if they get to full term, could have cleft palates, cleft lips. I have no idea what's going on. And she says, 
I still would like to come. And she's in Atlanta. And of course, we're in Northern California. So time goes on. And I figured looking back, those puppies were about six weeks in utero. So maybe that was a plus for us. So then I'm trying to research with Dr. Christensen. He's sending me articles and he's saying, okay, this is the game plan. You can do a normal delivery or you can do a C-section. And I'm going, I don't want a normal delivery because I don't want the puppies exposed to the vaginal canal because then we're dead, in my opinion. So I said, it's going to have to be a C-section. And he says, well, you do realize this is a maiden bitch. And I said, I'm not worried about that. I'm sure I can get the female through that process. I think a C-section is the smartest way to go. So then he starts telling me, and he says, it's really important to keep the temperature the herpes virus itself can replicate if the temperature, core temperature of the puppy is 98 or below. So yes. I thought, well, that's not going to be difficult. We will just keep their core temperature 98 or higher. So, you know, what seems logical doesn't always. It's harder than you think. <laughs> oh, that's an understatement. Been there. So I do have a human incubator that was 1949 that was used to transport newborns from one hospital to another. So I get my incubator out, fire it up, and I can't get the temperature high enough. So now I'm starting to get worried. So then we get a wet heating pad, put that in there, and we start to slowly get the temperature higher and higher and higher, and it's looking better. And we've got like two weeks to go. So we have plenty of time, so we're not panicking. So we finally get to the last night, and we think we got this all together. I'm carrying up the dog. I'm carrying up an incubator. I'm carrying up an extra heating pad. And oh, by the way, I need to have something to drink and eat. And this is during COVID, so I can't even be there when they're doing this to my poor dog. Right. When you're saying you're carrying up, you're taking this to the vet clinic right. for I'm, the C-section. Yes. I'm transporting all kinds of stuff because I have to be ready the minute those puppies leave to keep them going. And I'm an hour and a half away. So it's not around the corner and your husband's waiting and everybody's there to help you out. It is not. It's a long drive. So needless to say, I'm sitting there patiently waiting in a parking lot. Well, the word's not patiently, but I'm waiting. Patiently doesn't work, no. (laughs) I'm trying to be calm. I'm trying to just say, okay, and I give them clear direction. If anybody has a cleft palate or a cleft lip, I don't want you to revive that puppy and keep it alive because I don't want somebody else to be totally responsible for that dog. It's not fair in my opinion. So they have clear directions. Okay, that's fine. So I hear nothing. I mean, three, four hours go by and I'm just a wreck. Finally, the phone rings and the vet tells me, he says, okay, you got four puppies. They're great. They came out screaming. They have a three of three APGAR score. They are a pound and a half. They are horses. And I say to him, that's normal for a Malamute, but okay. He says, they're great. I'm very impressed. Hangs up the phone. So now I'm feeling elated that we've got past 
one step. So I called my girlfriend in LA and I said, we got four healthy puppies. This is really good. And she says, what are the colors? What are the sex? (laughs) And I'm thinking, I haven't a clue and I don't care is what I told her. They're four healthy puppies. And she says, okay, okay, okay. So I call my husband, you know, he's fine. He's happy. Everybody's happy. And then I just sit and wait and wait and wait. And they finally get the puppies. We get them in the incubator. We get them in the car. We start driving home. Poor mom's got this fresh C-section. And off we go. We get home. We get in the house. And of course, we normally keep the house about 60 because the dogs do really well. The temperature's up. The whelping box is there. The incubator is running fine. And we're feeding them. And then we're putting them back in the incubator. And the clock starts every two hours. And it doesn't sound bad in the beginning, but every two hours just wears you down really quickly. Been there, done that also. And I put together what I call an Excel spreadsheet. And that sheet tells me the day. It tells me the puppy, meaning everybody was color-coded when they did the C-section. So I have different colors, collar colors. I have sex and I have rectal temperature in the morning, rectal temperature in the evening, weight in the morning and weight in the evening, any subcute fluids that were needed, any tube feeding that was needed, how much was given. So this way I can track what's going on and I can track to make sure the temperatures are appropriate and they're gaining weight. So I did that. We got a week into the program and my girlfriend from Atlanta flew in. She still wanted to come. And I said, you may see me crying. You may see me elated. Who knows what kind of behavior I'm going to have because of this situation. So she flew in anyway, and we carefully monitored everything. And it was going really well until the mother decided that these were her puppies. And she didn't want them in the incubator. She wanted them next to her. So now I'm dealing with puppies crying because it's too hot. Mother crying because they're not with her. And then I start crying because I'm so tired. I don't care anymore. So I got so frustrated one night. I took them out of the incubator, put them in an infant sleeping bag, put the infant sleeping bag in my sleeping bag because I was sleeping on the hardened floor let mom curl up next to me so she could keep them warm. And then I just laid there and perspired and sweat and sweat. But the puppies were moving back and forth and they settled in and they were quiet. So I figured that was the better half of that evening. And then we just slowly got further and further. And example of the weight of the rectal temperatures that we kept We had anywhere from 100.2, which is outstanding, to 99.6. And we had low numbers as low as 98.7. And that's when I started to get worried. And I would make sure we cranked the temperature up. But, you know, it's doable. I know it's doable because I have right now a six-month-old puppy that you examined at the dog show. Yes, I did. Has all his parts. (laughs) Yeah, he has all his parts. He's not acting any different than any other Malamute puppy would. And we survived is the only way I know how to say it. We had friends who brought us dinner. Again, this is during COVID. We had friends who 
told us they were coming, left food on the front door for us. We had people who offered to come in and just sit with the dog so I could sleep or take a shower or Randy mm -hmm. could go grocery shopping. I mean, we had a lot of help. And then my daughter had a female who had had puppies. So if there was a problem, they could nurse off of her dog in right. case mine didn't have any milk. So we were set up to make the best of a bad situation. And it worked. You're very lucky, I'm going to say. I mean, I think there's a lot of us who can speak to the hell of this. And had you not had this wild hair to test for a titer, you wouldn't have been in the same position. Exactly. And my big concern was then I would watch them slowly die because they would go through the vaccine. Which is what happens when you have Canis herpes virus, having lived this. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, you guys. If you are part of a national breed club in the U.S. or Canada, I need you to listen up. My partners at Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet, have just launched a super exciting national breed club referral program. I mean, I'm saying. You guys have heard me talk about Trupanion's breeder support program before, and this is what gives you access to a special coverage offer for your litters that waives waiting periods for your puppies when you send them home. Now you can partner with Trupanion directly to share this incredible free program with the breeders in your club. And the best part, your club earns sponsorship support in return for every member that joins the program. It's pretty much of a win-win, guys. If you're interested and want to learn more, head to my partner page at puredogtalk.com and click on the link at Trupanion. So question, you said one other thing to me, when the puppies were born, what treatment did you have for the puppies other than keeping them warm? Basically just keeping them warm. They were nursing every two hours. No antibiotics, no nothing no, like that. No, According to Coca Pelli and Dr. Christensen, the key factor was don't let the virus replicate. Mm -hmm. Keep them warm. Yeah. And our breed doesn't like to be hot. Maybe other breeds would do better, but ours were just, just not happy. And for what duration of time? Well, that was the other thing. We got into a week and I'm feeling really good. And I sent him an Excel spreadsheet and he looked at it and he sent it back to me and said, excellent. Don't change anything. And I'm looking like, no, no, that's not the answer I wanted. I wanted, you're almost done or don't worry, you're home free. And yeah, I could call him anytime I wanted to. But when we talked, I would say, well, when can I stop this? And he goes, when they can maintain their body temperature. And I'm going, well, when is that? And he says, you will find out because you take them out to let them nurse. You leave them out a little longer and you take the rectal temperature. If they can maintain it, then that's good. If they can't, they go back in the incubator. And so what was your experience as to how long that took? It took about two and a half weeks. Yeah, I was going to say two to two and a half. Basically, I learned that a couple of them could hold their temperature better than others. And it was not who was the heaviest one. It was not who was the biggest one. It's mm -hmm. not who was the one that gained the most weight. 
the quickest. It didn't matter. It was totally on an individual basis. So we kept this cautious behavior until close to three weeks, and they were able to literally get up and move around, and their teeth started to come in. And then mom says, gee, their teeth are in. I think I'm going to be the outside of the box instead of the inside of the box. Right. Mom said this sounded like a good idea at first, but... <laughs> exactly. You know, it's amazing because it just is a gut reaction that I wanted that tighter done. I thought, what the heck? I get baselines on everything else. Why not get a baseline on that? And I don't think I would have done it had I not listened to a online seminar. Well, and I think that as you well know, as a regular Pure Dog Talk listener, I say all the time, education is the answer to everything. And in this instance, education saved your litter. Yeah. And it has given me, it makes me cry at times, but tears of happiness. I can look at that puppy because I kept one puppy and my girlfriend in LA has one. And the interesting thing is the relationship. The minute they see you, they can smell you before they see you and they go crazy. I've had litters before I've been attached to, but this is entirely different. When you hand raise an entire litter, you are mom. And that never goes away. No. And it's interesting because when I was down South and I was able to take a look at the other boy, he went crazy before I even got to the house. She told me he's going crazy. And the minute she opened up the door, he ran out and almost knocked me over. I mean, he was squealing. He was so happy to see me. And, you know, all I did was just wrap my arms around him and he was just squealing. And it was just, it was nice to see, but you don't realize the bond that you create because you're there 24 seven. Yes. It is an actual factual. (laughs) Having done it. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, Wendy, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Bruce Christensen from Cocapelli Reproductive Services, and we will get his input on this. And I think one of the things that I find so fascinating about this and so important to talk about is the teamwork between a breeder and a veterinarian. And I think that that is absolutely so important to highlight. Yes, he is very involved, not just in the theory of breeding, but also his counterpart runs agility. So Mm -hmm. they're really active in performance and other aspects rather than just the theory of reproduction. Right. Which I think is phenomenal. I love my breeder vets, love them to bits because without them, I don't think we could ever figure it out. Exactly. And when you say you think there's something wrong and you can't explain it, I think it takes a breeder vet to truly understand your comment rather than someone else who kind of goes, well, everything looks okay. Well, you didn't go to school for eight years. Yeah, but. (laughs) Yeah, my gut tells me differently. Well, thank you so much, Wendy. I really, really appreciate you sharing our story with our listeners. Listeners, I hope that this is something that will help somebody else down the line, this little nugget. And I just appreciate Wendy's willingness to share this with everybody. I think this is amazing. So. Thanks a lot, Wendy, and best of luck going forward with these babies. I hope they do fabulous. Oh, I'm sure you'll get to see them again. Don't worry. (laughs) Hey, I've got another question for you, actually, while I still have you. Have you tested those puppies for 
the herpes virus tighter? Well, no, I haven't. And I brought that up to Dr. Christensen in his comment. What I thought he said, it really doesn't matter. We have all boys. Every hmm. puppy was a boy. So no, we haven't. And I asked him to re- recheck her for mm-hmm. antibodies. Right. And he didn't think that was necessary. He said Interesting. once she was exposed and had such a reaction, in theory, she would have antibodies if she was ever exposed again. So okay. had one of these been a female and had I kept a female, I probably would have said, let's just do it for fun. Now, right. I don't have a problem if he wants to draw blood. I've got access to all four, so it's not a big mm-hmm. deal. It's a curiosity thing then. Like, yes. how does that affect the dogs going forward? How does that affect the bitch when you breed her the next time? Right. And I will speak to Dr. Christensen and he may well have some answers for me on that. So. One thing I did tell the prospective puppy buyers before they even got serious about any of this, none of the puppies were going anywhere until Dr. Christensen vet checked each one out because we could have missed something. You know, I wanted to make sure since he knew the whole case, the whole process that we went through, I wanted him to totally examine each puppy and they all vet checked out fine. Awesome. That's amazing. Go figure. All right. Well, congratulations on your success story. And thank you for sharing it with us, Wendy. No problem. Thank you. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you. To make sense out of everyday things. To add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box. To bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. Pure Dog Talk patrons support the work we do here by contributing to our crowdsourcing campaign. In return for the generosity that keeps the MP3s rolling, patrons acquire special access opportunities and perks. The most recent addition for our patrons is Pure Pep Talk. These weekly mentoring messages are quick, upbeat, actionable tips and tools for your tech box, visit www.puredogtalk.com backslash patrons to find out how you can join the best community in dogs. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 